for coming out tonight, and thanks to Terry, Don, and Aaron for uh, getting us uh, started tonight. We're going to continue with what we've been doing over the past uh, few months, the first two Sunday nights, and that is looking at the letters that we see uh, in the New Testament. Tonight we'll be looking at the book of Hebrews, book of Hebrews, and we're going to be uh, reading quite a bit tonight. I want to show you... Uh, uh, how the writer of Hebrews was trying to demonstrate to his readers that the law of Moses has been replaced by the new covenant. I want to show you actually in that letter how they were trying to go about and convince them that that was indeed the case. I'm going to try, I think, uh, for at least one more month in the month of February to to do this again. I'm not sure what... Uh, what epistles I'm going to look at yet, uh, the first two nights of February. Might even go on into March. We'll see how that, see how that goes. But I'm going to try to do this for at least, at least one more month. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who had given up the law of Moses and had obeyed the gospel and, and become Christians. They, they had accepted Jesus as that Messiah that the Jews had been looking for for so many years. But it could have been, I think it is likely, that some of them were considering going back. Going back to the law. And if you think about the situation and the circumstance that they were likely in, you can actually understand why they might have been thinking about it. One is... A lot of their friends and neighbors and no doubt relatives were still practicing the law and maybe giving them a little bit of a hard time. Why have you done this thing? You know, this is what we've always done. We've always practiced the law of Moses. Why? Why are you doing something different? And I think we can safely say that there was persecution. We always think about the Romans, and likely there were some from the civil authorities. But I suspect that their own Hebrew kinsmen were also, uh, whenever they could, whenever they were in a position to punish them maybe just a little bit, because they had, had accepted Jesus as that Messiah, and the ones who were still practicing the law uh, had not done that, even their own Hebrew kinsmen were probably uh, giving them a hard time and, and even doing some of the persecution themselves. The, the, book, the book of Hebrews was written to try to convince them not to go back to the law. The writer is a mystery. Many people believe, in fact, I think it's probably safe to say most people believe, that the writer of the book of Hebrews was the Apostle Paul. There are even some Bibles that I have seen who actually identify Paul. It will say in the heading before uh, over Hebrews chapter 1, the epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. And, and likely it was the Apostle Paul, but the writer never identifies himself. Uh, he never lets us know exactly who he was. And, and so the truth is we cannot say 100% for sure 
that it was the Apostle Paul. One thing I've always noticed uh, about this, and, and I, like others, I, I realize it was likely Paul. But in most of his epistles, first thing he does is identify himself. Most of the time, that's what Paul did. It could have been that in this particular case, he didn't. He likely is the writer. But in the book of Hebrews, if, if, it, if the writer was Paul, he broke from what he usually does. He did not identify himself at the very beginning of the letter. And so we, we don't know for sure who the writer was, but the message is crystal clear. And that is that Jesus is greater than Moses. He is greater than the Mosaical priests. And the new covenant has replaced the old law of Moses. It is better than the law, and it has replaced it. And so, the message is, don't give up on Christianity. Don't give up on, on what you have, have done, on this commitment that you have made, and go back to the law of Moses. And let me show you some of the ways that he explained that. We'll start at the very beginning of the book of Hebrews. Notice, notice the first two verses. God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And that's how he did it. Read the Old Testament and, and you will see it. Uh, we had the patriarchal age and then the time of the prophets, when that's how God spoke to the people. The prophets were God's messengers in those days. That's how he did it in time past. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so he, he starts the, the very beginning of the book of Hebrews, he lets his readers know, yes, in time past, God did things differently, but now, for us, he speaks to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Over in chapter 2, I want to go all the way back to verse 14 and, and begin reading so you can, you can get the picture here. One of the things... One of the things that, that some of the Jews, especially in Jesus' day, they had a problem with was that their Messiah, their Messiah was going to restore the nation of Israel. Uh, sit on a throne there in Jerusalem. And that's not what Jesus uh, intended to do. And when he went to the cross, many of the Jews decided that that can't be the Messiah. But we know that Jesus' death on the cross was part of the plan. The shedding of His blood so that our sins could be washed away was part of the plan. And the Hebrew writer here explains why Jesus had to live like a man and then go to the cross. He says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject 
to bondage. Jesus had to live like a human and then shed his blood. He had to die on the cross. That was the plan. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham, those Jews. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, to be the go-between. He was the person who had to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus lived the life of a human. He knows what it's like to be human. Went through everything that a human has to go through. The whole, the whole gauntlet of human emotions. Jesus went through all of those things in his life. And then he made propitiation for the sins of the world with his death on the cross. Uh, Same idea over in chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Jesus, you've heard the expression, hey, I've been there. Jesus can say, I've been there. I know what it's like. And so because of that, he made that one-time sacrifice on the cross, and now he is there at the right hand of God. He is our great, High priest, making intercession for us. He understands being a human. Look over in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I want to begin reading uh, down about verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That's the way you got to do it since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need... Now remember what the Jews did. They, they offered that regular animal sacrifice for their sins. Who does not need daily as those high priests, that's the the mosaical priest, to offer up sacrifices? Don't need to do that. First for his own sins, the priest did that, and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Part of the plan. That's the way it was supposed to be. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses. Those mosaical priests were just, were just mere mortals. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Jesus is better. He is greater. He is higher 
than those mosaical priests. Our great high priest, who is now at the right hand of God making intercession for us, is greater than any of those mere mortals who were the mosaical priests. Look with me in chapter 9 now. All of this pointing to the, the Hebrew writer trying to demonstrate to his readers, this is, this is why you should not go back. We have something better now. In chapter 9 and in verse... Let me start reading uh, about verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all. Did it one time. Don't have to do that stuff uh, all the time anymore. Having obtained eternal redemption. For if the, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the flesh, if that worked then under the law, then, then how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, one time perfect sacrifice, cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So you see, the blood of Jesus offered that one time, one time perfect sacrifice, but it also covers those who, who were under the law, who were offering those animal sacrifices, which is what God wanted them to do at that time. They were doing it the right way. When Jesus offered himself one-time perfect sacrifice on the cross, his blood went back and covered them as well, just as it covers us now all of these many centuries since his death, the blood of Jesus flowed backward and forward to cover those who are practicing God's Word. Old Covenant and New Covenant. If we are practicing God's Word, the blood of Jesus covers us. Let me read one more passage to you over in chapter 10. I was going to start over about verse 11, but let me, let me show you two verses in chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. That was according to the law. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. They, those sacrifices never washed any sin away. They just rolled them forward until the next year and they did it again. Not until Jesus' blood flowed backward were those sins actually remitted. Now let's look at verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily 
and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. That's where Jesus is even right now. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so you see, you see what the Hebrew writer is, is saying. The law of Moses had its place. It was part of God's plan. And those people who were offering those animal sacrifices were doing it the right way for that time. But now, that way has been replaced by something better. Jesus offered himself as a one-time perfect sacrifice on the cross so that everybody's sins could not be rolled forward, they could be washed away. Jesus did that one time, once for all. Hebrews chapter 11 is what many people call the the faith hall of fame. The Hebrew writer there mentions all of those Old Testament characters. And I've got to be honest with you, I've never actually counted to see how many there are. But if you read through the book, if you read through Hebrews 11, he mentions one Old Testament character after another. There are a lot of them that are mentioned. He starts with Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, and it goes on and on and on. And he says, these men did what they did by faith. And, and in our day, in our day, he tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's, it's all about faith. We, we haven't seen heaven. We, we never saw uh, Jesus uh, in the flesh. We did not see him go to the cross, nor resurrect from the dead, nor ascend back to heaven. But through faith, we believe those things happened. And we believe that if we will be obedient to God's word, we can spend eternity in heaven. That's when we'll see him. That's where we will we'll meet Jesus in heaven. Let me finish up by looking at chapter 12. The first, first three verses of chapter 12. <clears throat> Therefore we also... He just talked about all of these Old Testament characters... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, man, there was a whole bunch of them, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't, don't give up on this. Don't stop running your race. You've got to keep running. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He, he is the guy we're looking to now, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary 
and discouraged in your souls. And so, the admonition, don't give it up. Don't, don't go back to the law of Moses. It has been replaced by a new and better covenant. And, and no doubt, those first century Hebrews who I feel confident were, were facing persecution, likely being ridiculed by their friends and their family and their kinfolks, they needed this kind of encouragement. Don't go back. Perhaps we could make a modern day application and say, if you, have, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm convinced that everyone under this roof is, and you have, have made that commitment to living a Christian life, I, I understand the circumstances are different. We're not going to go back to the law of Moses. That's, that's, that's not going to uh, happen to us. But we could surely go back to the world. And so the same admonition not to give it up and to keep trying and to, to look to Jesus, our, our mediator and our, our great high priest, even in our day under the new covenant, we need to continue to do that very thing. Perhaps tonight you have not been as faithful as you should have been. If, if that is the case, you can, you can fix that by repenting of sins and asking for the prayers of the faithful. Maybe you have never made that, that, that commitment by obeying the truth. This morning we, we read from 1 Peter chapter 1 where, where Peter talks about how we cleanse the inside by obeying the truth. Maybe you've never done that. If that's the case with you, if you're willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and to be immersed in the waters of baptism, you can have your inside washed clean. Come up out of the waters of baptism, a new creature and a member of the Lord's church. Tonight, if you're subject to the Lord's invitation. Please let it be known while we stand and sing.